The Kinky Cocktail Hour is brought to you by Motor Bunny, the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator that offers fabulous creative sexual experiences. We use it and it rotates, it vibrates, and it delivers mind-blowing orgasms. Enjoy Motor Bunny as your favorite sex toy. When you order the Motor Bunny, multiple attachments are included along with the link controller, which allows wireless control from anywhere. Motor Bunny is the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator on earth. Use the link in the show notes and spice up your sex life with a Motor Bunny. You're listening to Kinky Cocktail Hour. A conversation between adults about sex-forward relationships, kinky lifestyles, and frank communication. If you're under 18, please stop listening and visit scarletteen.com. I'm Lady Petra, and my pronouns are she, hers, and we. I'm Safa Master, and my pronouns are him, his, and we. And this is Kinky Cocktail Hour. Cheers! Cheers. Okay, what are we drinking today? We're having a Campari Negroni. I love those. Yeah, and they're just nice and light, pre-dinner kind of thing. And they're not heavy, but they're interesting. They're actually, I think, complex to drink. If you've never had an aperitif, this is the... It's perfect. It's probably the the world record aperitif I think it is, too. And it's super easy because it's just however big you want to make the drink. It's equal parts of gin. I like to use a London Dry. I'm sure a botanical would work well in here too. Sure. And then Campari and then sweet vermouth. Best thing you should do is you should mix it in a mixing tin with ice so it has the dilution of the ice, about 100 turns. And then you have fresh ice or an ice ball in another glass and pour it over that. And then you express an orange peel into it it's delicious it's floral it's beautiful yeah it's flavorful and you can literally take a sip and imagine yourself sitting on the river in in italy Italy. i feel like i'm in italy every time i drink this it's It's really great it's a great drink the kinky cocktail hour is brought to you by slub usa the world's strongest, most powerful male masturbator. Visit Slub USA at slub, S-L-U-B-B dash USA dot com. Today's conversation is brought to you by WeMinder, a behavior chart app for kinky couples like us. Learn more at WeMinder.app. The story of O, chapter three, part two. So there's this interesting twist that we learn about Jacqueline's Russian or Ukrainian family. Something like that, yeah. And the section we read today starts with O inviting Jacqueline to come live with her. Yeah. And you get a little insight into her peasant life, Mm -hmm. the way that there's multiple generations in the house. They sit around drinking sweet tea. They, they, they just do at family things that yeah. probably irritate Jacqueline, who's trying to separate herself from that life, mm. you know. And in effect, by inviting her to live with her, she's inviting her to live with her and Renee. Right. And she understands, oh, is Renee's mistress. That's how she understands it. And the way that it occurs that she moves in with O is they give her Renee's room. Mm-hmm. And that 
creates a sort of sense of partnership, relationship, you know, collaboration between her and O. But well, also, but she also like is under the pretense that O's invited her, and she can live in this fantasy of like, well, it's a girlfriend that invited me to live with her, right. not someone who's pursuing me. But right. she is very aware O's pursuing her, and she likes it, and she likes it. Yeah. So, but she has this fiction that she right. likes to live inside of. That's right. Yeah, and there's a little bit of a conversation around the way Renee relates to her. Right, um, like he Mr. Excuse guy. Yeah, and, you know, he takes them to movies, but he sits between them and holds both their hands. And then he takes them to a particular sort of movie, the kind of movie where, you know, there's violence and drug trafficking, drug trafficking and, wh- and, and white slave, slavery. White slavery. But instead of watching the movie, he watches Jacqueline to see her reaction. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, O is having a conversation with herself about like accelerating her seduction of Jacqueline so she can hand off Jacqueline to Sir Stephen and Rossi. And she's feeling like... Well, I think she's attracted to Jacqueline. She I is. Think, I think she's like rushing it, not because of what Sir Stephen said, but because she's excited to see Jacqueline evolve into something like herself to, to right. be naked beside her helpless like, like her right yeah 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 but it's also that she doesn't really understand what the intention is with Jacqueline although she has an idea mm-hmm. but she's also deeply attracted to her and wants to bed her and actually there's a moment where that occurs in this yeah section. like uh, they talk about specifically three instances where Renee has taking them out to dinner and return them home. Yes. And then this third time where Jacqueline comes into the doorway naked after her bath in front of O and says, do you think he'll return? And then kind of just springs over to the bed. Right. Basically presenting herself to be used, right. you know, and she has this coyness. I mean, she, you know, starts out with very low reaction to what O is doing to her right. and then eventually cries out probably which we would assume would be an orgasm or something right. and then falls asleep but she acts like the a lover who's toying with her partner in the sense of kind of like hard to get kind of like aloof a little bit like I'm in it but I'm not in it because she still has this fiction like if I pretend it's only this then it's really not real yeah she actually we've deduced is very submissive Mm -hmm. but in this context she's forward with oh she wants the seduction yes but O is extremely dominant in this role that's right yeah oh because O takes charge and basically says this is what i did to her and we had basically sex here and then in the middle of the night i took her again right you know right yeah O is definitely enjoying jacqueline yes yes but she's also aware that it's a temporary phenomenon because she's going to give her up to Sir Stephen. Correct. And this is the... She's got a fantasy thinking, you know, her fantasy is like she wants to hurry up to get Jacqueline over to Sir in the sense that then, like she said earlier, we could be naked beside each other, experience the thing. Like she thinks that's the intention, that if she hands over Jacqueline, then they're both going to be slaves to Sir Stephen at the same time. That's her. That's That's what she thinks. Yeah, that's her conundrum, right? On the one hand, she's enjoying the moment, but Mm -hmm. on the other hand, 
she sort of wants the complete submission of Jacqueline to occur. But she wants the fantasy to include her to and include Jacqueline. Her, right. And I think that's a far stretch. They made a point to tell, oh, a while back, well, how do you think we get people for Rossi? You, the women that are out in the world, are recruiting. Right. That doesn't mean that they're all hanging out together no. or even experiencing the same thing together. And we also know very clear in this chapter about Renee's intentions. Right is how he's being used to groom. Right. You know, he's the basic gatekeeper of recruitment and grooming. Right. So, I mean, again, I would say he's not dominant whatsoever. He's literally a submissive to Sir Stephen. Yeah. Yeah. So this was interesting. This was an interesting section. It has a, it's like a crossover between the regular life aspect of living together and right. like that sort of thing on one right. hand, but also the sexualization of Jacqueline as a Rossi slut. Right. And so there's this kind of crossover experience that O is contemplating now mm-hmm. that Sir Stephen obviously has already had and Renee is working on. Mm-hmm. Like it's coming to O. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. It's I'm fascinated by it. Yeah. What I'm curious about, you know, we just had a intense Scene. scene, right? <laughs> yeah. So what I'm curious about is as you read about these women in this context, how they occur to you in reference to yourself. Like, what's your experience of them? Mm. Do you relate to them at any level? I think on some levels, although it's, you know, it, oh, I relate to because if you think about it, O's a switch. Right. You know, that's really what she is. And I think that is helpful for Rossi or Sir Stephen in they think about recruitment because they can definitely use her probably better than Renee to recruit. I mean, obviously she's fine tuning the recruitment. Renee is kind of there and he, his dopiness, like they make a reference in the chapter that he, because um, Jacqueline is in his room, it's very easy for him to just kind of burst into the room at any time, whether she's dressed or not, just say he's looking for some papers. Right. But O recognizes and kind of notes to herself that it's ridiculous he's asking for papers because she cleaned out his whole desk and put it someplace else. So he's definitely doing that as an excuse to groom. He's breaking her into being interrupted in her privacy. Yeah, like she doesn't have privacy, basically. And so I found that interesting. But like with my relatedness, you know, the switchy part is relatedness in the sense that I think it's interesting to watch Oh, integrate. But again, I'm not bisexual. So she's to switch in, you know, mostly her sexual life and then right. her professional life. She's a, she works as a lead because she does something very specific as a photographer, right? which means she's not really in charge of a ton of people. She's right. kind of in charge of her subject right. in that moment. But it, I wouldn't necessarily say that was a dominant role. It's just that she likes her independence. And I think that's an expression of her creativity. So I get that part. And when I look at Jacqueline, you know, she reminds me, I don't relate to her because she reminds me of a lot of women. I, I don't know why this bothers me. It right. does. It's like so telling. I don't know if it's attached to my story. And I'm not sure it is attached to my story because I remember being a little kid watching women kind of like in the story we just read, having tea or right. having coffee together, kind of a women's group meeting. And you could always, my aunt's, were always very straight shooters. So I, that's what I was used to it. That was my representation of women, women that are intelligent, self-assured, straight shooters. 
no airs. I mean, it didn't mean they didn't know how to be sophisticated. It just meant there's no BS. And it was really easy for me to relate because I was always like, well, that's what it is, right? And then a few of my younger aunts went through a phase as they were growing up because they were like that when they were younger. I, I was very close to one of them. And as she got older, she discovered female wiles, I guess, you know, whatever that you want to make that mean. And she started using them in a way that I thought was just uh, so out of integrity. Like, how does someone go from talking to you normal and as soon as a person of interest enters the room, everything changes, like everything. And so we talk about this I mean, in authenticity that, you know, people have these hats they wear and they have their professional hat that they present to the public and they have their family hat and things like that. And I get that, but I really... I personally have trouble with that because I feel like this is my hat. This is who I am. Now, granted, behind closed doors, I can be extremely sexual with you, which is different. It's a behavior versus me being extremely sexual at a coffee clutch, right? Right. But my presence is still the same. And I think Jacqueline goes into this mode of almost selling herself. Well, actually, the next sort of section of the book that we're going to get to is it talks about how she gets into an, an actor, being an actor in right. bit, bit parts. Right. So yeah, so she's definitely in the role of selling herself. Yeah, and ongoingly. I don't mean selling yourself like like in a positive way where people say you're selling yourself. I mean like, I hate using this word because yeah. it's derogatory for sex workers, but it's like prostituting yourself because it's not authentic, but you're doing it because society says this is how you win the game. And society says this is what men want you know, for example, they talk, they reference her playing the game, even they call mm. it, of her looking for lovers. And it's not that she isn't pretty enough or couldn't find a lover. She had, they referenced two lovers. And the second lover, she left because, you know, he had given her some baubles and things that she treasured because of her growing up of being so poor, anything that was given to her, like actually hers, or she worked and bought it. She had a lot of possessiveness about those items, but everything else was like, no, it's community kind of thing. Right. Right. And so then he gives her a ring and she's excited, but she wants to progress it to being loved. Like she needs someone to tell her they love her, like because of her father being kind of a deadbeat and leaving the family before she was born. She got a daddy issue and wants to be loved and needs it affirmed. And one of the ways, especially in this time, to affirm that was to get married. Sure. And he refused. And so she's just like, drop them while they're hot. That's right. it. You're done. Right. Well, that's very interesting because O doesn't have that need. No. That's right. that's what I mean. O doesn't have that. And yeah. I identify with O in that sense that I'm at a place in my life. I mean, I, we've talked about this before, just in general terms. Do I think I get married? Probably not. Do I think the opportunity would come up? I don't know. I'm not worried about it. I no longer fall into society's realm of how you have to be, especially as a woman, that in order to have certainty, it doesn't mean you really have certainty. It just means some kind of false sense of certainty is that you get married, that that's how you have certainty in relationship. But I don't think that's true. I think if people are going to commit in relationship with one another, they either do or they don't. Right. Well, what society offers is a piece of paper. Exactly. That says exactly. you're married. Yeah. And then there's some tax benefits. And or, let's just be uh, honest. Yeah. For centuries, people have 
create a relationship without a piece of paper. That's true. Yeah. So a very interesting segue, I think, from one aspect of O's construct to another. Right. And, you know, now this has been promised that she's going to be, you know, in a lesbian relationship with Jacqueline. Now she is. Yep. Jacqueline is living with her and there's an opportunity for her to get really related to her and to introduce her to Rossi. Well, and but you think based on what Sir Stephen said, she's now bedded her, right? Yes. And she's, I mean, on a regular basis, like they're living together. Right. I thought one of the instructions that Sir Stephen said was, you have to be able to have her here or have me be able to watch you right. two having sex. Right. So that's the next. That's the next thing. For, so for, I oh, imagine yeah. there's going to be an instance where probably at O's own place, they're going to be having sex and someone's going to come into the dark of the room and stand there. Right. Maybe. Yeah. We'll see. It's the story of O. It is. That's it for today. If you're interested in kinky relationship coaching, online domination, or if you'd like to sponsor the pod to keep it going, please visit our Patreon website at Lady Petra Playground. You can reach me via email at ladypetraplayground at gmail.com. Our music is composed and performed by Roger Ferguson, who can be found at rogerfergusonmusic.com. Till next time, cheers! Cheers!